Yes, people, and welcome to episode number 91 of the Listen Up podcast. We're back after a break as we performed at Kendall Calling. We DJed across the weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks to everyone who came down to see us and offer their support. It's great to be back doing the podcast. So in this week's episode, we're talking about the Libertines in the past was yours. I'm joined by Acid Ultras in the future's mine. And none other than Embraces Mickey Dale gives us three essential tracks in Timeless Melodies. We've got a number of live events coming up. So as ever, make sure you check those out on listenupmusic.co.uk or any of our socials. So at listenupmusic underscore on Twitter, listenupmusic on Facebook and listenupmusic underscore MCR on Instagram. On with the podcast, kick back and enjoy. So welcome back to The Past Was Yours, following our little break for Kendall Calling. We had a fantastic time. This week, we decided to go with albums from 2004. If you're new to this podcast and this segment, we pick a random year. The four of us pick an album from that year. It goes on Twitter and our followers vote for the one they want us to feature. In fourth place this week with 6% of the vote, Tony, your choice. Absolute travesty that, mate. The Walkman, Bows and Arrows, great album. In third place was Gaz's Choice. That was A Heart Shake Heartbreak by Kings of Leon with 25%. In second place, my choice, can't believe this didn't win. Was Kasabian and their self-titled debut with 34%. And this week's winner with 35% of the vote was Rick's Choice, the Libertines with their second self titled album oh, what became of the likely light? what became of the dreams we had oh, what became of forever oh, what became of forever we'll never know what you gonna do you're a sweet, sweet girl But it's a cruel, cruel world A cruel, cruel world But things are none too strong, Katie Hurry up, Mrs. Brown I can feel it coming down And it won't take none too long But since you said goodbye The polka dots fill my eyes And I don't know why Oh, you can't stand me now. No, you can't stand me now. You can't 
This week's winner was Rick's choice. Unfortunately, neither he or Gaz can be here. The winner was the Libertines from 2004. Tony, I'll let you go first. Right, I think it's pretty much common knowledge that prior to tonight that I've got a bit of a dislike for the Libertines. Kind of always viewed him as a bit of a pantomime act live. You know, playing up to that chaotic kind of drug-fueled bollocks that they've always courted throughout their careers like... And the one thing that always stood out for me was that performance of Kendall Corlin where Carl Barat was like, he took all of Pete Doherty's cheeks and he was checking his nose and, you know, halfway through the set. And it just really fucking irritated me because they were just like proper playing up to that perceived stereotype. And like I said, it was like a shit pantomime, albeit it's rock and roll. I found it just a bit shit, to be honest. And the performance wasn't, wasn't mega, was it? It wasn't shit, but it weren't brilliant. I mean, I've only seen him live twice, Kendall Collin being one of them, and I saw him this year at Glastonbury, when they opened up Glastonbury, and to be fair, they were actually really good. But this is what gets me, because, like, you know, Doxy's, like, stone-cold sober at the minute. He's fucking boring. He's boring to watch. So I get that they're, like, that they're a proper sex, drugs and rock and roll band in the truest sense of the word, and, like, the chaos around the band is kind of what made them appeal to people, but at times I just find it all a bit tedious. Equally, seeing them all like Stone Cold Sober at Glastonbury was also a bit tedious. So I guess the fuckers can't really win with me, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I suppose another part of their appeal was that they always seemed to be a band that were teetering on the verge of like implosion and self-destruction. And there was always that kind of uncertainty of what was going to happen. People just watched with a bit of a morbid curiosity at times. I can imagine there's a proper like real mix of frustration and fascination with fans of this band. But, you know, what gets me is they do actually make really good fucking music. Like, songs are, like, some of the songs are massively iconic in their own right, aren't they? And this album actually is chock full of, like, great songs. And I'd actually forgotten how many, like, really, really decent tunes were on there. So I listened to it this week, and, uh, you know, like, stuff like Can't Stand Me Now, The Man Who Will Be King, Narcissist, Music When The Lights Go Out, What Katie Did, What Became The Lightly Lads. I mean, that's cracking run of tracks on there, isn't they? You know, and they're all quite like memorable tracks as well and they're well arranged and you know they're very well written as well the lyrics all kind of tell a bit of a story part of what makes this album so remarkable really is how the band were literally on the verge of crumbling and yet this record was you know it seems to be almost like a rousing defiant fuck you you know to in the face of like all the band's problems and i think on reflection when i've listened to it this week and you know, like I said, I've never, never really been a, a big Liberties fan. I would, I, would, I think their antics on stage always pissed me off, and I kind of wrote them off in the head. But like I said, on reflection this week and listening to the album, it's like the songs are so like kind of honestly written in terms of what what, what they're writing about, and you can tell that like a few of the tracks were written with Doherty's problems in mind. I think. And some of them are a bit of a commentary on his and Cal Barat's like, kind of strained but affectionate relationship as well. I mean, just listen to the lyrics on Can't Stand Me Now and What Became The Likely Lads, and, you know, it kind of gives you a bit of an insight into, 
you know, possibly what, what the background to those songs were and how they were written. I think Doherty was actually on the verge. I think was he on the verge of being kicked out of the band at this point? He was waiting for trial for summer. I think I read somewhere time of the album's release, which again just kind of adds to the chaos and frustration around it. A band that genuinely do have undoubted talent. So listening to the album this week, I found myself singing along to loads of songs. I didn't realise I knew actually as many songs as I did on, on the album, but I, I do. I kind of found myself having a bit of a newfound respect for the music, which I found quite strange because I, I, I made my mind up quite a long time ago that these weren't for me. One of the good things about doing what we do on, on this podcast is that when we, we all choose an album, it's kind of out of our control. It gives us a chance to go back and kind of revisit something with a, like a fresh perspective. And I've gone back this week and listened to this album with that kind of fresh perspective, thinking I've got, I've got to listen to it so we can talk about it. I've really enjoyed it. I've really, really enjoyed it. You know, yeah. You know, as a band, you don't make like an album like this up the bracket without kind of having, you know, an irrefutable musical ability. And it does make you wonder just how far the Libertines could have gone if they continued to focus on the music, you know, rather than letting drugs and alcohol kind of get in the way. I mean, I still think Doherty's a bell end, to be honest with you. That stuff, in my opinion, will ever change on that. But you know he's, he's a talented bell end there is no there is no doubt about that again all that hype around you know like with that first album like without comparisons to the clash which yeah all right, they've got a bit of a sound of the clash but they're not in the same bracket as the clash clash one of one of the best bands for me personally one of my favorite bands of all time i mean i had to listen to that as well up the bracket this week as well i'm sorry for this album because i really enjoyed this one so i thought i'd, I'd see what the other one was about as well and really enjoyed them both yeah, I found it. I found it a really good, enjoyable listen this week. Dance with me your song, or you may wake up one day in the last chance to live to find the last chance. Feel them gone, don't be shy. Don't be shy. For if you are shy for tomorrow, you'll be shy for one thousand. Yeah, I'm probably very similar to you, Tony, when it comes to the Libertines. I think an issue I have is having kind of grown up in the 90s and got into music in the 90s and some of the bands we were fortunate to kind of grow up with, when the likes of like Libertines came out, it was very different to sort of like that Britpop era, wasn't it? And, you know, I know it was a little bit before us, but sort of like Manchester and stuff like the bands that came out of that kind of had a view of, of them because of that. But some really good songs on this album and up the bracket as well. They're both good albums, aren't they? I don't think they're belters. I just don't. I, I listen to this album, I enjoyed it. It's a good album, like, but I think, like I said, on our group chat today, I just don't think it's a great album. People put them forward as like, you know, having produced albums are up there with like some of the best of all time. I'm not having that one bit. What I don't like is, and I didn't like this at the time, and you know, we had the likes of the Gallagher's, Richard Ashcroft. Before that, you had like Ian Brown, proper like front men and you know, rock and roll stars in the truest sense of the word. People go on about Pete Doherty like he is as well. He isn't. He's just scruffy. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> not all bad, mate. Jesus. He is though. He's you know he's got he's got like fag stained fingers, 
I didn't like the fact that he was being put forward as like this rock and roll star and like this famous person by the press and you know those surrounded by the band when he was you know so openly like using heroin and stuff. I just don't think that's a good message for anybody. It really isn't. You know, heroin just destroys people's lives and it destroys you know people's musical output. Not a doubt about it. I know there's been certain bands who've produced good stuff whilst using heroin and stuff but generally speaking it just destroys and that's what I didn't like about it I just didn't like the fact that you've gone from the likes of like the Gallaghers and Ashcroft who and Brown as well who's like full of confidence full of swagger and kind of gave you something and you know were positive but with him just the opposite hey, in fairness though the Gallaghers like self-confessed sort of loads of drugs during their heyday I guess I mean probably not drugs as destructive as heroin but I think that is part and parcel of the band, though. Do you not think they wouldn't be as interesting if they didn't have them internal problems? I don't think. I don't think they'd be as memorable. Do you know what I mean, John? When I say that, there is something about bands who are on the verge of sort of collapse that you manage to keep it together. And I can't remember who someone who's on a podcast recently was talking about that. You know, there is something appealing about that, but yeah, I just don't buy it. And live as well, you know, like you say, Tony. I've seen them as the Libertines once. I didn't enjoy it, to be honest. I didn't really see what was in the way people were reacting to it. People were going crazy for it. I just thought it was really quite average. Seeing him solo as well once, that was all over the place. Really was all over the place. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I, I liked some of the stuff that Baby Shambles did. But parts of that were quite interesting. That debut album, I quite enjoyed that as well. Yeah, I think it's telling as well. The more recent stuff they put out, I was looking at the discography today and from the stuff they put out since the reform, like none of it's charted at all. You know, people go on about the Libertines being this huge, massive band and stuff. But, you know, I can think of other bands from, well, one that era and before it, if they came back, started putting stuff out, I think it would have more of an impression than that. And, you know, what do people really talk about from those most recent albums? Not a lot, I would say. I mean, realistically, they haven't got a lot of musical output, have they? No. And you I think know. a lot of people who talk about and go on about and being this like massive, massive band, you know, go to most people and say, no, name five great tracks by Libertines. I don't think you could. I, I reckon you could, mate. I, I reckon you could. Cause I don't think they've got enough material for me to be truly hailed as, you know, a legendary kind of band mm. that era. But at the same, by the same token, there was no one out. There's no one really out there at that time making music like them. Really, it'd be interesting to get people's views on this. And obviously, when we do the podcast extra, maybe people will. I think this sort of music appeals more to Southern England. I think it's got a real sort of London sound to it. Well, it's the same like it's like like we were saying on the chat. Cortinas have got a big following up here, but you know, not quite so much down south. So maybe it's one of them. I don't think the world beaters, mate. I don't think that as a, as a band of world beaters. I think they had a lot of potential. I think they definitely, if they had a focus on the music, could have had potential to be as big as bands like Oasis, but kind of fell by the wayside because drugs got in the way. Just going back to that thing, though, about like he was put forward as like, yeah, the rock and roll star and stuff. But yeah, like I said to you before, you know, for the media to be pushing that whilst it was all about using heroin, you know, don't be wrong when there's like bands who are kind of having fights and kickoffs and arrests and stuff like that, and you know, and people will align that to being a rock and roll style, then yeah, okay. But 
when you can't you know perform properly and you know you, your gigs are just a shambles all the time stuff which i think he had a period of didn't he you know he just looked a mess half the time and yeah he went out with kate moss and stuff like that but just yeah not for me he's not no, i'm not having that no chance <laughs> if i have to go i will be thinking of your love but somehow you know you're just nothing thinking of your love i was carried away beginning phrase the letting away sign we'll meet again someday no my boy there's a price to pay if i have to go Well, and you just wonder what could have been, really. I don't see that. You know, I think they're a household name because of his antics. You know, they were a household name, like everyone had copied, copy of, like, let's say, like, what's Sorry Morning Glory. I don't think they ever would have been like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell because I, like, I was a bit jaded with music from, from the, like, you know, when we went to the 2000s and stuff. Mm. It's just a bit shit, weren't it? Indie kind of went a bit downhill. And looking back in hindsight, this is probably a band we've I never really got into him then, and there's obviously a reason for it. Mm. But that's a band we should have been really listening to, maybe because you know, maybe that sort of tells its own story and the fact that we weren't. Favorite tracks, like I say, I, I did enjoy listening to it. Obviously, I listened to it before, and like I say, Tony, you're right. You know, when we kind of go back with a view to, not music reviewers, are we? But you know, with a view to doing this segment of the podcast, you listen to things differently. Yeah, and I did enjoy it. Clearly. Can't stand me now. That's a great song, isn't it? You know, for the subject matter it covers, you know, to, for them to perform a song about not liking each other is crazy. For in its <laughs> you know, and like Rick said in the chat today, like lyrically, yeah, he is really good lyrically. I think for me, I really enjoyed uh, the Ha Ha Wall. Really enjoyed that track today. Also, The Man Who Will Be King, I enjoyed that. But yeah, from listeners today and uh, early this week, I think for me, the ha-ha wall. If you get tired of just hanging around Pick up a guitar and spin a web of sound And then you could be strung out all day With lovers and clowns Now I find myself hanging around Funny you should say that, man. There's a few contenders for me, but the one I'm going to go for is The Man Who Will Be King. I kind of love the lyrics to that song and the way it feels like a bit of a conversation between like Doherty and Barat, you know, the way they kind of bounce off each other in it. And it could also be a bit of a commentary of their relationship, to be honest. I think it's a, I think it's a very well-written song, great lyrics, and yeah, that was the one that stood out for me very much so listening to it again this week. But, you know, I'd have to give it an honourable mention to uh, Music When The Lights Go Out as well. That was a very close second. I think it's a really great tune. What's about you, Nancy, my dear? What's about you, Nancy, my dear? What's about you, Nancy, my dear? What will you do when she comes here? She'll kill me. Other one will kill me. And to the man who would be king, I will say only one thing. 
Marks out of ten. I'll go seven. Seven, yeah. Good album. Really good album. But not a great album, I don't think. That's personal preference. I'm sure the people out there will give this a ten. I know when we put it on Twitter, there's people, you know, saying it was a masterpiece and you know, fair play. You know, if you grew up with the Libertines and you know they mean that much to you, like, you know, the other bands would have meant to us like growing up then, fair play. I think it's Slightly long again. I've probably gone about this too much. But yeah, enjoyable listen. Yeah, good album. So 7 out of 10 from me. Tony? I find this really weird, me because when the poll result came in and the Libertines won, I was like, for fuck's sake, I've got to talk about this fucking shower shit. And then, you know, I forced myself to listen to it at the start of the week. And, and I kind of really, really, really think it's a good album. So I'm going to go slightly higher than you quite a large number of really good songs on there. I mean, there's a couple of clangers that don't be shy. I mean, the vocals are fucking awful on that track. And it's a really tough listen. That Arbite Matt Fry, I'm not a big fan of that either. It's got a bit of a clash vibe to it, which is weird that I don't like it, but I just think it's a, a bit of a pointless track, to be honest. But the rest of the tracks on it, I think, are, are tremendous, really. And as I said earlier, you, you know, you do wonder what could have been with this band. That said, Kurt Cobain said, mate, it's better to burn out than fade away, I guess. And, you know, they did that in spades, didn't they? <laughs> These two albums, I think, is probably why they've stood the test of time, because they are really, really, really good albums, and they've got, a, like, a massive cult status and following, haven't they? It's just in the crowd at Glastonbury. It was absolutely bouncing when they were playing. It was, uh, ridiculous. So I'm going to give it a solid 8.5. Top album. It's got a couple of clangers on there, but, you know... With an album that's 14 tracks long, you probably are going to get a couple of duck tracks on there. This made me reconsider, reconsider the band and how I feel about the band in general, to be honest with you. So, I mean, for an album to do that to me on reflection is, yeah, says a lot about it. So 8.5 for me, mate. So overall then, The Libertines scores 7.75. So, players out this week, this is Libertines with Can't Stand Me Now. I know you lie, I know you lie 
everyone to the future's mine we're changing up a little bit this week although we all really love our indie music we're also really into our dance and after seeing this week's guest name on a poster supporting happy mondays recently i checked them out and was instantly hooked they've been involved in the dance game for a number of decades and they're using their experience to produce new and exciting acid house music which will appeal to all fans but also new dance enthusiasts our guest this week uh, acid Ultras. So you just heard All Things Must Pass, Fake Phone Call, and their remix of Dirty Circus's Sunshine. Earlier this week, I had the pleasure of catching up with Nick from the band. This week, we welcome Nick from Acid Ultras. How are you doing, Nick? 
I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I'm in Spain at the moment, <laughs> so it's it's pretty hot, you know. So I've just left um, two moaning kids at the pool, um, <laughs> and and I've taken refuge up in the in the room. <laughs> no, good stuff. Yeah, really appreciate you giving up your time, especially like you say with you being on holiday. It's, yeah, it means a lot. It's 31 degrees here in Bolton, but yeah, I don't have a swimming pool to jump in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's 38 at the moment here. Wow, wow, <laughs> good stuff. So. We're here to talk about Acid Ultras. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the makeup of Acid Ultras? It's myself and Matty, who both Matty plays on stage. He plays the Theo 3, and I'm primarily drums and synths. Mm-hmm. And then Chris, who's actually his background is, he, he was uh, in blues bands and such like. And uh, he he's a singer, you know. Um, he's got a kind of um, a gospel kind of background, which certainly suits with that in house but i'm from glasgow and they too are from sterling so what have you done in the past i think we're probably kind of you know roughly a similar age so i'm guessing you've done things before acid ultras yeah started djing in 1989 wow. you know with uh, with acid house and i run a club let's go back which is still running we were primarily at first we were an old school kind of acid house and then we've kind of changed in the last sort of 10 years um, where we, we play kind of new stuff, but with an acid house, a lot of acid played. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm still involved in running clubs and, and not, not old school clubs, you know, like our, our residency is kind of maybe 18 to maybe 23, that sort of first clubbers sort of thing, you know, but yeah, the, the, the club itself, 22 years and Matty's got a, a, a background in DJing as well and Chris has got a background obviously more bands orientated blues yeah. and such like So why now then? Obviously you're busy enough with lots of the stuff you've been doing this for a long time so why now for Acid Ultras? Although I DJed I never uh, got into producing for some reason you know I probably fear actually and, and you know you never kind of think that you can do it seems too complicated but you know a few years ago I, I started buying some kit and and then it just went from there and I've, I've I mean I've, I've learned music myself I mean in fact I, I can remember 20 years ago Darren from 808 State who's a good friend of mine was up and he was trying to tell me you know how, how easy it was but one of one of the things is I, I can't I've tried Ableton and such like which are the obviously the more computer-based things and it just isn't me i i, I need hardware and and matt is the same so more when acid hardware came out and the drum machines and such like that's where i found that that it was it was easy to do and it just clicked so primarily influences then who would be kind of the big people who are you know influential on your sound first of all future you know, that they, they created the first Acid House record, mm-hmm. um, Acid Tracks, you know, um, DJ Pair, I think he was about 15 years old. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually had them to Glasgow to play. Spanky uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately died a few years ago. 808 State, Manchester, yeah. um, the Happy Mondays, you know, where there's maybe a, a mentality bet- between them, you know, it's, we're not a single producer. Mm. We're a band, that's the thing. So so bands like the Happy Mondays, bands like AOA State, yeah, certainly influences on us, you know. So the name then, we were kind of talking before we recorded. Absolutely love it. 
it was how I kind of came across you. I saw it on the poster for yeah. with Happy Mondays, which we'll come on to. But yeah, it's a cracking name. And yeah, I'm assuming then, obviously, from Glasgow, big football city, that there's a linked sort of terrace culture as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, but, but certainly during the, the 80s, for working class guys like myself, that was the outlet. You know, um, people were involved in terrace culture and there was... It was fashion orientated and driven. Yeah. Uh, there was music involved in it on the sidelines, certainly. You know, um, you know, hip hop. There's a lot of people uh, liked hip hop and early kind of electro stuff, and and what would maybe go on to be acid house. But certainly, once acid house hit, a lot of the the guys that were were. Um, I mean, young, we're, we're talking about 18 years old, yeah. uh, just kind of moved straight into that. And a lot of the, the people um, became, you know, DJs, promoters and such like within. And that's up and down the country. You've got guys like Terry Farley and such like, you know, that, that were certainly all, all of that kind of idea, you know. So you came together in 2019 and in 2021 you put yeah. three P's out. The first one being Lost Subcultures Found. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about that, Nick? It's a story of that precise moment. In 1988, Terrace Culture crossed from that into Acid House and, and it, it, it went from going to the football, but then you went to a rave after it and then you've or you'd been up all night on the Friday, went to the football and then went to a rave after it. And we kind some of the lyrics are about Hitman and Harold Cakes, all fake fur. No trainers, no jeans, not our scene. And that's because primarily the hitman in her uh, places, you had to dress up, you know, but that, that was clubs everywhere. You had to wear shoes and such like, and we didn't, we were trainers and, until Acid House came out. And then that was accepted, you know, that kind of dress down look, which became a baggy look and sort of thing, you know. Mm. So that, that's what that song's about. No, it's fantastic. Absolutely love it. And then on to your second EP with All Things Must Pass On. Do you want to tell us about that yeah. one as well? It was written with lyrics about a breakup of with a girl, you know. We couldn't really once the lyrics we could we can play live, but just when it was sitting with the 303, it kind of mm. came over. So we cut the lyrics, the full lyrics from it. I hadn't approached any label, but um, Optimal from Glasgow had been a, a huge, huge influence on my knowledge of music. And my, mm -hmm. uh, they started DJing in maybe about 1997, and it kind of revolutionized clubs. I mean, the worldwide DJs now, and they've got a hugely respected label. And I, I sent it to uh, Twitch, who was the only person I sent it. I didn't send it to any other labels. And I just expected, I didn't expect anything back. And then he, I saw he downloaded it and then he came back to me and he was like, I want to release it, you know? So I was oh, wow. absolutely delighted to, to to get onto a label like that, you know, of that kind yeah. of uh, influential status, you know? Uh, but really it was, it's an early drum machine, a rolling drum machine from the seventies that's used. And there's just, there's there's only four cents in it. It's, it's, it's really a kind of simple tune, but it's it's kind of euphoric and kind of builds and then acid line in, in at the end. But yeah, it's about it's about lost love. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah, I think that of the, all the tracks I've heard, I think that's probably my favourite one. Just going back to Lost Subcultures Found, and I take it, obviously, that's Chris's vocal on there, is it? That is, yeah. When I listen to that, it kind of put me in mind of, you know, some of those early sort of Acid House tracks where they had like the big soulful sort of vocal on yeah. there. 
Was that was that intentional yeah. with that? I'd written the lyrics, but Chris phrased that uh, because I, that's that's out with my realms of. I mean, I can I can do that at the mu- parts of the music, the lyrics on that, but I couldn't phrase it. Yeah, and I think what happened is if if you go back to Acid House in Chicago, mm. if you look at the singers that were involved, and then they, they all came from a gospel yeah. blues and background you know mm-hmm. that that's why they've got that particular sound and and that's where chris comes from so that's how i think it works with it you know mm-hmm. um he, he he made that his own you know mm-hmm. the, the vocals you know is it's fantastic no it's wicked yeah we're gonna play out that shortly so on to future music what's the plans going forward yeah. have you got ips coming anything else coming out yeah and next wednesday we're going and to record the next sort of four tracks and then we'll set up another four tracks after that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. We've got at least sort of 20 records to come out. Wow. Um, we played them in a live set, you know, so yeah, it's, it's just a case of getting them out. I wanted to do an album, but we've been to buy our management don't think we should do an album just now. So we're going to right. release an EP, like, you know, yeah. and, then, and then see that where that takes us. But certainly... Releasing these with with a view for live gigs. I mean, that's that's what we that's what we are. Certainly, the the last EP, the the side two, which was fake phone call. Yeah, that's been picked up a lot by DJs. I mean, it's been on Boiler Room and such like you know. So that that that's a a full on dance floor track. I mean, we've got a lot of those, but we've also got song based ones. So I think I balance between the two um, for DJs and 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 obviously just for more of a a band kind of listening crowd. You know. Oh, definitely. Look forward to that then. So we briefly touched upon it. You supported Happy Mondays recently. How was that? Yeah. Incredible, yeah. I mean, um, I've I've known uh, Bez. I've, I've I've known for about twenty years, you know. So um, we got the 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 call that we were going to support them, uh, and then it was a kind of frantic six weeks of work because because we don't use computers, everything needs to be programmed. I mean, so every every hi hat beat wow. you hear has to be programmed into the machine so it took a lot of work to get an entire set together a new set together for it and then um we played a gig the saturday before which was an hour we only had 40 minutes so to lose that three four tracks the best option was to reprogram the entire set again so it wow. was a couple of sleepless nights running up to reprogram the full set again being a dj for years I never fully appreciated <laughs> just how much work is involved in electronic music. Yeah. It's not like, I, get, I mean, you can't just pick up a guitar, you know, and, and play. It's It's got to be programmed. And then obviously, the, you know, the sound and, and you go back to it, you wake, wake up the next day and you're like, ah, that's wrong. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work involved in it, like, you know. But uh, for the Happy Mondays, it was great, you know, um, certainly on the day of it. We, we were rehearsed enough and we felt confident enough and, and it kind of showed that I think in our performance, you know, we, we got a lot of feedback and pulled pulled a big crowd and the promoters were uh, came to us and, and couldn't believe the, the, the size of the crowd that we pulled for, for a, a, a backup band, you know, so. And then we saw Bates as well, you know. <laughs> we were slightly for wear. <laughs> I was going to ask though, I guess... Was it slightly sombre? Obviously, with Paul's passing recently, was it a little bit different? Um, my friend interviewed um, Sean, 
mm. uh, and the week's running up to it. And I guess as you would have expected with a band like that, you know, and, and two brothers, the, the conversation came up about if if one of them did pass away, you know, mm-hmm. and what their thing was was to they would play the gig, right. and I think Sean was wanting to play the it's it's in his interview, you know, but he wanted to play the gig. I think it was I can't remember it was in England, and he wanted to play it, but the band kind of felt that no, it was it was too soon, you know. But they, a lot of the band would be just happy that they're alive, <laughs> like myself, you know. <laughs> they have came through that; they can't believe it. So, you know, there, there wasn't a, a there was a lot of respect paid, you know, and a, and a few shout outs. But you would imagine, I would I imagine that's the kind of band that just you know that's what they do, you know. So, and certainly that's what their brother, his brother, would want them to do would be to play, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it came across. I mean, the performance was amazing. They really, they, they were fantastic, like, you know. We put every artist a little bit on the spot in this section. I'm going to ask you, Nick, where do you see Acid Ultras in five years' time? To be honest, it was always a plan. with uh, Because I'd, I'd worked as a promoter mm. and, and a DJ within, uh, and, I, and I, I put on so many dance sites and then uh, and, and bands as well. I, I run a venue in Glasgow, so we, yeah. we put in a lot of upcoming bands, you know. That there's no doubt about it. Where our place is, is, is playing festivals and on the club circuit scene. Yeah. Um, a band that I've put on a lot as well is, is Paranoid London, mm-hmm. who are an acid house band from, from London, you know. And I, I I think that's where we sit, you know, where basically we're, we're a live act for a club. There's probably two sets that we can play. There's one that's more suitable, which we played at uh, the Happy Mondays, which is more suitable for a festival and gigs. But then the straight up, take the heat right off you as it does, you know, uh, full-on dance floor stuff as well, which we do. So th- that's where, I mean, I might have retired in five years' time, but certainly that would be where, uh, where we would have been, hopefully, please God. <laughs> <laughs> no, excellent, yeah. I'm uh, hoping you come to Manchester at some point so I can check you out live. Absolutely. We'd love it, man. Love Definitely. it. Definitely. That's been brilliant, Nick. Honestly, really fascinating. As I say, kind of, came across you in the last few weeks and yeah I've been listening to it loads so we're looking forward to seeing what comes next and yeah and see how you progress so really appreciate you giving up the time just leaves us with one last thing to do do you want to introduce the track we're going to play out with yeah uh, this is Acid Ulcer's Lost Subcultures Found a love letter to Terrace Culture of 1988 
Welcome to this week's instalment of Timeless Melodies. This week, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Embrace's Mickey Dale. Next week, Embrace released their eighth studio album, How To Be A Person Like Other People, and following that, a UK tour. So make sure you get all that album and get your tickets booked. Before we hear from Mickey and get his three essential tracks, let's have a listen to their most recent single, this is absolutely brilliant. This is Embrace and We Are It.
So our guest in Timeless Melons this week is Mickey Dale. How are you, Mickey? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah, really appreciate you giving up your time to join us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. So we've just played the latest Embrace single, an absolute corker as ever. What else have you got coming up? Presumably there's an album on the way. There is. There is our eighth studio album coming next Friday, Friday the 26th of August, available from the usual places, embrace.co.uk, various limited vinyl options, digital, CD, cassette, you name it. I'm surprised we haven't even brought it out on eight track cartridge, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> we're really, really thrilled with this album. It was a testing old time, you know, during lockdown where mm -hmm. we kind of got a lot of things planned for that year and everything was kind of wiped out of the diary. And then we were told that we couldn't get together and see each other, but we kind of made a good plan. And Danny had sort of said, right, Send me all your little snippets of song ideas, anything that might be lurking in your iPhone where you've been sat at the piano. And he said this to everybody in the band. And his vibe was, I'll try and get lyrics and melodies to everybody's ideas. By the time the lockdown did finally ease off and we got over to our guitar player, Rick, he's got a studio in, over near Halifax. We got in there and we just felt so excited to be kind of in the same room with all our instruments set up and, you know, the computer ready to start recording. I don't think we've ever made an album as quickly, spontaneously. Certainly not had as much fun in the studio. It was just like, you know, after three days, we've got three songs finished, which for us is some kind of world record. You know, we're drawn from memory album. I think we spent 363 days on that. <laughs> so there was a real energy and spontaneity and just a real joyful approach to music, not overthinking the songs, letting the songs dictate leave any egos or desire to over-flourish and over-decorate the songs, leave that in your car. Just let the songs kind of fill the space. I absolutely love it, and I hope the next album happens in the same kind of, same way, really. I, I love the previous album, but I think it was a bit too much of one mood, really. You know, love is a basic need. Mm. The new album's got like a, it's had a rocket up it, I suppose, in comparison. There are still some, I think, killer ballads on there, but overall it's much more bouncy and rousing and stomp up and down, I guess. Good stuff. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll definitely get in a copy. So yeah, all the listeners, make sure you get a copy of that album, get listened to and yeah, and go and see Embrace Live. Tour starts at the end of August. I think it's August 31st, uh, up in Aberdeen. And then we're across to Edinburgh, then Newcastle, and then we gradually work our way, slithering down the country via Cardiff, Birmingham, London, Manchester, Sheffield. I'm sure I'll have forgotten somewhere, but it's a good old run. So if anybody's listening and thinks they might want to come and, uh, you know, have a night out with Embrace, then, you know, obviously we'd love to have you there. It's a bit of a strange time with, you know, COVID kind of created a lot of problems, not just in this industry, but for everybody, really. You know, I've got tickets, still got tickets in my kitchen cupboard for gigs that uh, I bought tickets for gigs like back in 2019. I've still got Bon Iver tickets in my, it's been cancelled at least three times or postponed three times, sorry. So it felt like we were just getting over that hurdle and thinking, oh, great, there's a sense of, you know, normalcy coming back to the music industry. And now here we are in this kind of crazy cost of living crisis. Yeah. So we appreciate that it's really tough for people. But at the same time, you know, we'd, we'd love you to come along and just forget about all those worries and have a good sing along if you can. Absolutely. So we've asked you to give us three essential tracks. Do you want to tell us what your first choice is, Mickey, and why? Yeah, well, I, I picked uh, Neil Young, A Man Needs a Maid. 
I remember years ago, somebody playing me Harvest. I can't remember, it might have been Jock. I was in a band called Poppy Factory when I was a really young lad. Mm -hmm. Sort of synth pop trio. But Jock, our singer, turned me on to all sorts of stuff. You know, I mean, I, I probably didn't listen to anything when at that age other than Echo and the Bunnymen, Ocean Rain, the three New Order albums. But he kind of played me a lot of stuff. He got me into Scott Walker and The Fall and stuff like that. But then one day we, he sat down and played me Harvest by Neil Young, which I think is an astonishingly beautiful album. But because I'm I'm somebody who loves the sound of an orchestra and does sometimes mm. have the have the privilege of like orchestrating you know songs for people, either embrace or other folks. Just the orchestration on that absolutely blows my mind, and and how sad the song is, and the way that the way that he sings it, you know, in that really frail kind of. Neil Young always seems to be singing right at the top of his range, but in this really kind of frail, creaky, like he just lives on a farm or something, and he sort of just sits there, kind of. I don't know. I can't really, I can't really articulate it properly. But there's a vulnerability in his voice that I find really beautiful and really appealing. So, so I thought I would pick that. There is actually, uh, if now if you go on YouTube, there is some really old 16 millimeter cine footage of the recording session and you can tell that Neil Young is absolutely petrified you know he's in the same room as the orchestra they can't hear the piano because nobody wore headphones in a studio back then so there's somebody trying to conduct and you can tell that it's just about teetering on the point of collapse somehow they nail it and that, that actual film that's on YouTube you can tell that it's exactly the version that appears on the album warts and all so there you go Neil Young a man needs a maid Absolutely brilliant pick. I love this track. I read somewhere that at the point of release, some kind of critic said that the orchestration was a little bit overblown, but I think that mixture with Neil's vocals works perfectly. It does, absolutely. Well, I think the strings were done by, I think off the top of my head, I might get his name wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Jack Nietzsche. And he was somebody who worked under Phil Spector. Mm. So you can kind of get a sense where that sort of overblown slightly Hollywood, Walt Disney kind of sentimentality and, you know, like, let's put some harps on it and let's put some tints on it and let's put some cymbal crashes on it. You know, there is, uh, there's not much space for anything. Yeah, it's overblown, but somehow it just, it works, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not, it's not cheesy for me. It's not schmaltzy. It's just immensely powerful emotionally. It is. The album, like you say, it's probably top 10 album for me. I remember the first time I heard it, I kind of heard of, Neil Young. I always tell this story. At the time, I was kind of listening to Oasis and I'd heard Noel Gallagher talk about Neil Young. For some reason, me and mates got mixed up with Neil Young and Neil Diamond. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I mean, they're both, uh, Neil Diamond wrote some, he's got Neil Diamond's, uh, what's that song? I Am I Said. I think that's a really beautiful song. Uh, so he did write some gems, but yeah, quite different to Neil Young. I've just remembered a story actually about when we were, we got, the producer youth who worked on the first Embrace album, The Goodwill Out, he came back and produced our fourth album, Out of Nothing. And, you know, and he's, he's meticulous in the studio, is youth. So there's a lot of, you know, the talk back goes on on the mixing desk and he's, again, do it again, <laughs> simplify it. He loves to simplify everybody's parts down to the absolute bare minimum. And I watched him do this with everybody and foolishly I thought, well, all my piano parts are nailed, so I'm going to go in there and impress and have them done in no time. And I must have played about four or five bars of an intro and the button went down on the desk and he's like, tighter! And I was like, all right, okay, I'll try and play it a bit tight. And he's like, 
less pedal. I was like, oh God, all right. And then he just kept stopping me and stopping me. And eventually I, I went back into the control room where he was sitting and I said, what is it that you want me to do? And he said, I want you to take out all the flowery flourishes and all that. Every time the band changed chord, I just want you to play a big resounding chord on the grand piano and just let it ring out. And I, I thought about it and I thought, well, okay, but I've spent ages perfecting these parts. And then I looked at him and I said, well, then it's, we might as well just be making, remaking Neil Young's Harvest. And he looked at me with a glint in his eye saying, that's what we should do, Mickey. We should remake Neil Young's Harvest. So I, I went back into the live room and put my headphones on. And he was absolutely right. And that was something that stuck with me. And when I'm producing bands, mm. I, find, I find myself saying, less, play less, leave more space, let the song tell the song's story without you filling every nook and cranny with little embellishments. Uh, I, think, I think we've all learned a tremendous amount from youth to the point where I don't know if we need to work with him again. <laughs> it's almost like we kind of learned so much across those two or three records. But uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't love to work with him again, but um, it's always quite fraught. There's usually quite yeah. a lot of argument as well, because he'll be very blunt. And, you know, like I once heard him say, not to us, but I'd heard a story about him saying to another band, it's like, why would anybody ever want to listen to that? Oh, no. <laughs> he didn't like, didn't like the lyrics for this band, People Should Remain Nameless. He was like, why would anybody ever want to listen to that? Go away and rewrite. And he likes to sort of kick you in the balls and kick you around the studio. Yeah. But yeah, you come away with your nerves and your ego and your confidence absolutely shattered. But generally there's a there's a brilliant record at the end. Of the end. <laughs> Sorry for that long curveball of a story. but uh... No, not at all, not at all. Cool, right, let's have a listen to your first track then. So absolutely stunning. This is Neil Young and A Man Needs a Maid. When life 
So that was A Man Needs a Maid by Neil Young. Cracking first choice, Mickey. So your second choice, what have you gone with? Let's go with the Bon Iver song, but I can never remember the name of it because that album, 22 A Million, which we mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago, all the songs have got written. Is it called 65 Stafford I've Apartments? Got... 29 Stafford, yeah, APTS. So I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I'm guessing that's apartments, but with that, with that album, you, you can't make any, you can't jump to any conclusions about what the songs are called. So, this is like one of those beautiful, gentle folk songs that's just really beautifully understated. His voice in the chorus kind of soars up through through the, the notes in the in the chord, and it gets me every time because he sings it in such a way. It just really demands my attention. You can see me, can't you? I'm holding you this little pocket synthesizer thing I called do. the. It's called the OP One, and I, I became so obsessed with that Bon Iver album, Twenty Two A Million. I started reading loads of features about how it was made, and Bon Iver they wanted to get away from this kind of traditional folky thing, so he mm. bought one of these. It's like a little synthesizer come sampler. And he locked himself away in a log cabin and wrote all the songs using the OP1. So I thought, well, I better get me one of them. <laughs> and, and you can just, the beauty is it's only got 15 notes. So because I'm a piano player, if I sit down at a traditionally sized keyboard, I tend to use all 10 fingers or, you know, nine, eight fingers, two thumbs or whatever. With the OP1, you've only got like 15 notes or maybe slightly over as well. Is it like not quite two octaves? So you tend to have to come up with something more hooky, memorable, melodic, but also you can sing into it, it's got a sampler, and mm. then you can, it's got so many amazing effects in there that you can just completely mash up what you're doing. So the thing about this Bon Iver song, the Stafford Apps Apartments, there are just little elements of it where his voice sounds like it has been 
beamed in from outer space. So it's it's kind of folk, Jim, but it's not not as we know it, I suppose <laughs> you would describe it as. But I think it's it's stunning, like breathtakingly beautiful. No, it is. Yeah, I'm a fan of it as well. What I like about it is you kind of touched upon it there. I remember reading about the debut and they said like they kind of locked themselves away to record it. With this, the kind of the piano on it and the, the acoustic, it's got that kind of not rough recording but it sounds like it's uh, recording that way as well but it, it works really well yeah it so it sounds like the core of the band were probably just laying it down all at the same time the acoustic guitar and the piano and maybe the vocal and the, i mean there's not much more going on but i think there's quite a lot of decorative little haunted little distant noises and you can tell the op one's been played with on it but there's i don't think there's any drums on it it's just very very it's a big sound, isn't it, considering there's nothing really going on. Power of a good song, I guess. Indeed. You're going to talk about your third track shortly. That's also kind of folk-based. Is this something that the rest of Embrace would be sort of alive to, or is this very, very personal to you? I think everybody's getting into sort of listening to more stripped back and less rock kind of stuff. Yeah, and we don't, we have, you know, because it's, it's ages since we've been on a tour bus, and it was probably during the last tour that my good friend Ronan, who I'm in another band with, Experiment 637, we're called. It's a little two-piece electronic-y kind of sad folk music, I guess. Put three singles out so far, but we put in an album out in September. He came on tour to help us sell the T-shirts on the last Embrace tour. And one night we were just sat sipping wine in somebody's hotel room. And he said, do you mind if I play you something? And, uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, sure. He put his little iPod little bud headphones in my ears and he played me creeks you know that song from mm. bon Iver, 22 a million the one that's all vocoder and i just thought i've, I've never heard anything mm. like this at all this is just i mean obviously we've heard oh superman but the bonnie fair thing is is completely from another again it sounds like it's been beamed in from another planet so that i, I kind of got into listening to all this electronic folk stuff towards the end of the last tour and then we we barely saw each other because of covid but uh yeah i think we've all kind of got more into listening to that kind of stuff apart from my car drummer who still listens to acdc like <laughs> all day all day every day but, you know drummers do don't they <laughs> cool right let's listen to your second one then so this is bonnie bear and 29 strafford apartments or so we think <laughs> we think it is yeah <laughs> Sharing smoke in the stair above the hot car lot. The sun shine hard on the video spine. Sure as a living dream It's not all in what it seems And the whole thing's hard to Come on. 
hallucinating clear You know the snowshoe that are your nose Through the leading of the road There's no kissing So that was Mickey's second choice. That was Bon Iver with 29 Stratford Apartments. Third and final choice, Mickey, what have you gone with? God, it's, it was it was tough doing this. And then I just thought, like, stick with a mood and a, and a genre. So it's Mickey's folk trio, isn't it? <laughs> uh, this is Fleet Foxes, Helplessness Blues. And I remember hearing this one day on the radio. It must have been on Six Music, and it stopped me in my tracks. It was like, "All right, okay, this is this is like really striking." And you know, he's got an amazing voice. It's, it's unique, and yet it sounds like you could have heard it in the '60s. You know, Simon and Garfunkel or something like that. Big, confident acoustic guitar, beautiful vibes, and then all of a sudden, the track just kind of drifts into this beautiful, different. It's like. It's like you're transported into another world. And it, it's one of those, another one of those songs that just really makes me stop and makes my spine tingle and all that. And songs like that, I'm, I'm quite soppy sometimes, you know, unexpectedly a song will just make my eyes fill with water. And Helplessness Blues is very much one of those. I adore it. It's, I'm like a kid on Dodgems, you know, it's like, again, 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 I could listen to it 10 times in a row and never tire of it. And every time 
spot something going on in the in the recording you know a beautiful little detail that i'd never even spotted before mm. it's just staggeringly beautiful i remember the first time i heard this album and yeah this track was the one that instantly stood out for me love fleet foxes and we talked about it before didn't we were in that production and certainly you know this album on the debut just sounds like it's recording in a hut somewhere out in the woods in the middle of the snow by a log fire it's just beautiful yeah it's just it's there's an honesty about it isn't there it sounds like a bunch of people in a room just kind of all playing together and you know records are often made that way these days you know and not just because of lockdown where people couldn't get in a room it's just there's there's a real sort of nuts and bolts approach to mm -hmm. recording music where you could have five people in different corners of the world all mm -hmm. sending their audio files via wetransfer.com or whatever <laughs> but with fleet foxes i definitely get the sense that it's just a very organic process really you know just keep get keep doing it until you get it right in one take you know not lots of computer editing and uh, tarting up are you a fan of the recent stuff they brought out as well? I've got the most recent album and I really, really like it. Yeah, but I think I think they're a band that I need to... I probably know like two or three songs really, really well. And I've got like two of the albums, but I think I need to invest a bit more time. Probably when I'm on tour with Embrace, it'd be perfect because, you know, I've, I've been flat out for months now and then the Embrace rehearsals continue next week, all week, and then we're out on tour. But once you're on tour, you've got like two or three hours stuff going on every day that's important a sound check and a gig basically and then the rest of the day is mine to just kind of stroll around with my headphones on i like getting out on tour get out of the building so mm -hmm. some of the lads like to sit in a room with a with the heating on and snooze i'm like oh no 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 we're lucky enough to sort of see a different town or city every day and so i like to just see what the vibe is you know Maybe have a pint at lunchtime and then have a look around the local shops, you know, look for quirky stuff that's unique to that town, you know, rather than chain stores and all that nonsense. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited for touring, actually. It feels like a long time since we actually did it. Excellent stuff. One thing with, uh, just going back to uh, Fleet Foxes, I can't believe how good Father John Misty is, you know, to be a drummer in a band yeah. like that and go off and do that. Plays in my mind, it's brilliant. Yeah, he's written some amazing songs as well, hasn't he? You know, and he, he was the darling of Six Music for a while, which I think it got to a point where every time I turned Six Music on, it seemed to be Father John Misty. But now it's kind of calmed down from that. I kind of, I enjoy actually digging his records out and, and yeah. putting them on. But yeah, you're right. Amazingly talented. Again, beautiful voice, crafty songmanship. You know, he's not a three chords guy, is he? He's, mm -hmm. He likes to explore. Where can I go with the chords and the melody? Kind of like a Brian Wilson, you know, like I was thinking about Beach Boys earlier today because somebody had posted some on Facebook about working out the chords for um, God Only Knows. God Only Knows where I'd be without you. And like the way that the chords evolve in the verses of that song, it's just kind of very classical, I suppose, you know. And people were saying, you know, like, how on earth did he write, sit and write that on the piano mm -hmm. while the rest of them were out singing surf music? And yeah. I think the answer is, you know, because he was a bloody genius. You know, that's how he did it. He, <laughs> he just needed the time to sit at home and and unlock it, you know, just sit there hours a day and just kind of learn his, his craft. So fair play to him. You know, Beach Boys did make some amazing, you know, well, Pet Sounds is the, is the benchmark, I think, isn't it? That's been brilliant, Mickey. Honestly, really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed this. Nice one. Thanks a lot, Adam.
So that's it for another week. Thanks very much for listening. Make sure you tune in next time. We'll be discussing another album from yesteryear, introducing you to another new great band or artist. And I've got a fantastic guest lined up for Timeless Melodies. We've just announced our new indie club night in Manchester in conjunction with the Pentatonic. That's called Revolver. And that's going to be taking place at Off The Square in Manchester City Centre every Friday from the 2nd of September. Make sure you get down to the launch party on the 2nd of September. That's set to be a great night. For more details about that and our live events, check out our website, listenupmusic.co.uk or any of our socials at listenupmusic underscore on Twitter, listenupmusic on Facebook and listenupmusic underscore MCR on Instagram. Until next time, take care and thanks for listening. Listen.